Hallelujah. I want to encourage you about our midweek service. Uh, this coming week, we'll be ministering on the subject of healing. And so if you, you know people who are suffering with sickness and disease or uh, covered up in fear about it or have always wondered uh, what is God's mind, heart, attitude about healing today, you know the body of Christ, man, you can hear all kinds of messages on that subject, like it's all passed away or you just never know, Lord, if it be thy will. And, and, uh, but I tell you, if you just get into the Word... You will see healing is for you and for you today. And uh, so we're really expecting uh, Jesus to show out. He loves people so much. And uh, Jesus has already suffered. I said He's already suffered. He already bore those stripes in His back that you and I might be healed. There's no, just no need in not receiving it. <clears throat> Amen. But you have to have faith. And to have faith, you have to have knowledge. And so that's, that's why you got to come to church, amen, and get you some knowledge. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, here we've been, I think, uh, for this may be my fourth message in this series called The Truth Will Set You Free. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord had just kind of stirred me up about truth. Amen. And, of course, you know, I live in this world that you're living in, too. And, uh, of course, I'm just 49. I'll be 50 in November. I'm still a young guy. And, uh, but... Uh, I don't really recognize the world we're living in today. Now, when I think about Grandma and Grandpa, who've been in heaven for... How long has Grandpa and Papa and Gigi been in heaven? 13 years. Think about how, how society has changed even in 13 years. You know. And uh, praise God. But uh, the Bible's had a lot to say about it, and we want to explore it. And, uh, but it's just vitally important that we in the church, we know what's true. Paul told Timothy uh, in one of uh, his, those books, I think 2 Timothy, that the, the church is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth. The mainstay, meaning, you know, there are a lot of supportive elements in this building, but there are, like, you see how big that beam is right there? You know, one of these, there's a smaller one. But, I mean, we're talking about a mainstay. Uh, you, you could view a mainstay like the main mast on a ship. I mean, you lose that. You could lose your jib and all that, maybe get it repaired, but you lose your mainstay, the mainsail. Amen. Then you're in trouble. And uh, when the church loses truth and ceases to shine its light, the world is even in a a much more difficult place. Amen? And certainly Christians would be. So we're using this text, of course, that uh, is recorded in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Let's look at that again. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, If, everyone say if. If. Now, pastors taught you this, right? What's the biggest word in the Bible? It's the word if. Why? Because results hinge on if, don't they? Right? Praise God. You know, we like the first 14, 15, 16 verses of Deuteronomy 28. We're not turning there. But it goes on, talks about you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed will be your basket. Blessed will be your store. Amen. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. Come on, that's shouting ground. 
But do you know all of that is predicated on the word if? Because verse 1 says if. If you hearken. If you listen diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do and to walk in all of His ways, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. See, it's all hinges on the word if. What religion does is put all the if on God. People love to practice no-fault religion. It's all up to God. I don't have anything to do with it. God wants to save me, He will. If He doesn't, I guess I won't. God wants to heal me, He will. But if He doesn't, I guess it's just not His will. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing is more uh, opposite from what you actually read in your Bible. Over and over and over again, Jesus said to people, according to your faith, according to your faith, be it unto you. So if it was according unto them, their faith be it unto them, it's going to be according to my faith, it's going to be unto me. Amen. The Lord gave me this phrase, I think sometime last year, He said, if it will be, it's up to me. See, God, what's that mean? Yes, God's involved. But see, He's already authored redemption. He's already paid for redemption. He's already made redemption available. He's imparted the Holy Ghost. He's given us the blood, the name, the covenant, the Word of God, the promises of God, the angels of God. It's up to you and me now. I said it's up to you and me now to lay hold by faith on the promises of God, walk out the plan of God, gain some skill about us. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, so anyway, praise God. Jesus said, then Jesus said to those Jews that believe on Him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. It's just the way I like to think and study and meditate. If, then He went on and said, then. If, then. But you don't get what comes after then if you don't do the if that came before then. Are you all with me? This is not real deep. I'm a pretty simple guy. But, you know, people pass over the simplicity of things. Amen. Well, what's he saying here? If I continue in Jesus' word, how many of you know He is the word? Then I am His disciple indeed. Other translations, that word indeed is actually pretty important. It means you are truly, you are really, you are of sincerity. You are, in fact, in reality, my disciple. And it goes on into the next verse. He hadn't changed his thought. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be as free as you can be? Come on. I want to be as free as I can be. How many of you could acknowledge you're not as free today as you could be? Now, maybe you think you are, but listen, you have to think about this. That's what I'm here to try to help you to do. Praise God. To say, I'm as free as I can be, would mean that you're walking in all the truth there is. Because it's the truth that sets you free. And I'm not. I don't know all the truth yet. So, but the more truth I'm led into, the more light God helps me see that I walk in. Amen. Then I I come into greater realms of freedom and liberty. But notice, even this wonderful verse, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, is predicated on if. 
Amen. Not every professing Christian gets to know the truth. Every sincere believer that asks Jesus to be their Savior won't know much more of the truth necessarily. He didn't promise you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free to professing Christians. You have to be a true disciple. You listening to me? You have to be a real disciple. Therefore, there must be, and there is, a great difference between a professing Christian and a true disciple. Amen? Amen. Amen. have a little excerpt here from an author I like named uh, Rick Renner. I'll be quoting from this book, maybe, Lord willing, a couple times today. We need to get this in our bookstore, honey. Uh, It's called uh, The Last Day's Survival Guide by Brother Rick Renner, talking about life in the last days, what society would be like. I've read it cover to cover. It's outstanding. And, uh, yeah, okay, he's checking me. I'm not quite ready for that statement yet. Amen? You can get ahead of yourself. Praise God. Amen. Well, what do you think a disciple is? Would a disciple, uh, a jiu-jitsu disciple, be someone who signed up and pays his fee but never comes? Never practices, never does any drills, never, never lets the instructor see his face? No. Is that a disciple? No. No, he's just paying a fee. Right? right? Amen. What, what would a true disciple then be of Jesus? Yeah, You've got to be a real follower of Jesus. You gotta be, the word disciple means a disciplined student. A disciplined, dedicated follower of Christ. Now we have many, many fewer saved Christians, you know, disciples than we have saved Christians. But I want to know the truth. I didn't get saved to stay the same. I didn't get saved so expecting to live carnal and natural. Amen? And so I I trust that we've got a room full of men and women, boys and girls, that uh, want to know the truth so that the truth can make you free in every area. Well, then you and I must order our life around discipleship. Because without discipleship, you can't know the truth, and the truth can't make you free. I'm being redundant on purpose. Well, Jesus really defined discipleship right there in verse 31. If you continue in my word, that makes you a disciple in the mind of Jesus. Listen to verse 31 in the Amplified Translation. It says, so Jesus said to those Jews that had believed on him. So see, they believed on him. Now he's telling them, if you abide in my word, Amplified brings out a greater meaning, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. Not say amen to them at church and then go and live all week like you forgot about it. Don't shout your hallelujah at the the hallelujah chorus and then live like a sinner all week. You have to be interested in the teachings of Jesus, the word of Jesus, and then you've got to not just know it and understand it, but go and begin to live it. And it's going to get real, real, real fast. Because you just, just read Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts talking about blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. 
Love your enemies. Oh, that makes us shout, doesn't it? Jesus said, love your enemies. So if we're going to be his disciple, you don't get to have enemies anymore. Amen? And Jesus would say whopper statements like, if you don't eat my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. Man, he lost a lot of people that day. He had multitudes, and the Bible says he went down all the way to the twelve, and he wondered if the, he invited the twelve to leave. And he said, Master, where are we going to go? He didn't mean cannibalism. He means he's the Word. Amen. He means to partake of his saving sacrifice. Hallelujah. Praise God. But anyway, they didn't get it. Listen to the New Living. The New Living translation says, He that remains faithful to my teachings. That's a real disciple. The God's Word translation says, If you live by what I say. If you live by what I say. If you live by what I say. Hallelujah. Well, you know, Jesus said, uh, Forgive everybody. So you don't, if you're going to be a real disciple and know the truth so that you can be free, you don't get to walk around harboring ill will. You don't get to be uh, a racist. You don't get to be machoistic or radical feminist. You don't get to be bitter. Your master said, don't. Don't do it. Well, you don't know what people did. You don't know what you did to Jesus when you sinned against Him and sent Him to the cross. And He'll help you forgive. Forgiveness is for you anyway, honey. It's not for that other person. It doesn't make what they did right. It releases you. It brings freedom to your life. Amen. So, you know, not trying to be hard, but, you know, want to be real plain with you. Don't call yourself or think yourself a disciple if you don't have a regular relationship with your Bible. You're not. You may be saved, you may be going to heaven, but you're not a disciple. And that's going to prevent you from knowing the truth, which is going to prevent you from being free. You can live that way if you want to. But if you don't read the teachings of Jesus, how can you say you're, a te- you're following the teachings of Jesus? Right? Friends, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Amen? Don't just read the four Gospels, read it all. He is the Word from cover to cover. Amen? Hallelujah. So, praise God. Let's get into the meat of what I really want to get into today. Let's um, turn a page here in my notes here. Let's stay on track. Let's go quickly to Matthew chapter 24. Never before in the age of the church has it become more vital, more necessary, more important to know the truth, hold to the truth, and be a dedicated follower of Jesus. Because if you don't, you will be overcome and overtaken by darkness and by deception. Amen. 
Now, I wrote my first book uh, at the Lord's direction in 2010. It's been a little while now. And it's that black, the cover with the black book, right? Mm -hmm. And it's called Walking in the Light, Overcoming Last Day Deception. And what uh, started that um, journey is I was reading a scripture we may get to today over in Timothy where Paul prophesied about these days we're living in now. When he said in the last days, amen, and that word last means last of the last. When there is no more last, you're at the end of the end of the end. Uh, That perilous times will come. Amen. And then it begins to describe life and the culture. We'll get into that Lord willing. And, uh, but I was sitting there in the midst of studying that, meditating on that, God talking to me about that passage. And I was stuck there for a year and a half, and the book is the fruit of that year and a half's worth of study and meditation. But I was in a meeting in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with my spiritual father, Dr. Ed Dufresne. And uh, this was not his subject, but he made a statement, and it was like God just took a hot branding iron and, and branded my spirit with it when he said it. And he said, there is a day coming soon, there is an onslaught of demonic power coming upon the church, and the church will not be ready for it. He just went on talking. He said that there is an onslaught of demonic power coming upon the church, and the church will not be ready for it. Meaning they won't see it coming, they won't resist it, they'll be overtaken by it. Well, I see that in the church. In meditating on that, then God talked to me about it. He said, uh, he said, son, in these days, right before I come, deception will become so intense and so prevalent that if, if my children are not actively and ongoingly, purposefully holding to the truth of my word, deception will be their condition by default. So if you're just thinking that you can just float along in life, Be a lazy, casual Christian. Deception, according to what the Spirit of God said to me, will be your condition by default. Amen? Amen? What's going to prevent us and protect us from the spirit of the age and the spirit of the world is light, is the truth. And that's what will keep us free and our families safe and protected. Amen? Here in Matthew 24... For time's sake, I'm just going to read this passage, this part in the Amplified, so it'll be up on the screen. Beginning in verse 3, it says that while Jesus was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came and asked Him privately and said, Tell us, when will this take place, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end, the completion, the consummation of the age? Not the world, the age. Jesus answered them. Notice the very first thing Jesus said in response to their question. Not the third, not the fourth, not the 25th, the first. The first thing Jesus said was, be careful that no one misleads you. Deceiving you and leading you into error. For many, not a few, many will come in my name, on the strength of my name, appropriating the name which belongs to me, saying... I am the Christ. So there will be false messiahs, false saviors. And because the word Christ means anointed one in His anointing, there will be false people claiming to be anointed who really aren't. 
And notice what it says, And they will lead many astray. Then he went on and talked about the wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened or troubled. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Are they talking about a global famine now? They are. Earthquakes in place after place, happening all the time. And this is but the beginning, the early pains of the childbirth pangs of the intolerable anguish. Then they will hand you over to suffer affliction, tribulation, and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then notice this, many will be offended. Are we living in this time? Oh, we haven't lived in a touchier age. Can't say anything. Going to cancel you. Right? I mean, you know, and the Disney stuff in the news this week is just horrific. They're going to turn goofy, goofy. You understand what I mean by that? They're going to turn goofy, goofier than you've ever seen him. Goofy won't know if he's a boy or a girl. Goofy won't care. One, one consultant that was on, they, they did an expert of this Zoom class, said, and this was her words, not mine. If I had my way, to, and he was talking to Disney CEOs and planners, if I had my way, we would just queer it up everywhere. Queer everything. That's her words, not my words. See, that's their aim. Isn't it interesting? You remember back 10, 15 years ago, they told us if we would just accept the gay thing, just a, just a normal, that'd be it. No slippery slope, nothing like that. And oh my gosh, we're just way off the deep end now. Y'all might as well say amen or oh me. But yeah, many are offended. And they will be repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. And they will stumble and they will fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. And many, not a few, false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. Man, I've seen it. Right? I mean, there's like a prophet on every street corner. If you study the Bible, there's only like 17 prophets covering like 4,000 years of human history. And now we got prophets working at Walgreens, pumping gas at Sam's. we got prophets everywhere. It's a bunch of hooey. They don't even have ministries. You all do know there's no, there's no real prophets serving Slurpees at 7-Eleven. And that's an honorable job. Working is an honorable thing. But real prophets have ministries. They have places to preach. They've been in the ministry a long time. They have more than a YouTube channel with five followers or five million. You know, here is a quick way to judge false prophets. I'm trying to help you today. Know the truth, walk in the truth. Number one, if they say stuff that doesn't come to pass, they're a false prophet. So that wipes out a lot of your favorite people that prophesied that Trump was going to prevail. God said Trump was going to prevail in the election. Well, their prophecies didn't come to pass. Hello? Stop following them. Stop watching their videos. My God, don't send them any money. Number two, if they don't have ministries, 
and haven't been in the ministry a long time, yeah. they're, not the, they're not a real prophet. I'm telling you, they're not. And then you would need to judge the fruit, their life fruit. Yeah, yeah. Jesus said, You'll know, here's how you know. You judge a tree by its fruit. Yeah. If you get to looking at some of these people's actual lives, they're as goofy as a $3 bill. Yep. <laughs> I'm telling you. And Jesus said in these last days, one of the, it's not just all about earthquakes, guys. He said there'd be this drifting away, this leading away, this falling into error, and all this false ministry and false teaching rising up. Now, you don't have to turn there, but Isaiah 60 told about the day we were living in. In the Amplified, Isaiah 61 says, 60 verse 1 says, Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine and be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness or dense darkness the peoples. But the Lord shall arise upon you, O Jerusalem, and His glory will be seen upon you. So way back, Isaiah prophesied that in the last days, what's going to happen? It's going to get darker and darker and darker in the world, but it's going to get brighter and brighter in the church. Hallelujah. I mean the real church, the true church, which we're working hard to be a part of here at WHC. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, uh, we're standing on the threshold of the rapture. Uh, we are. The catching away of the church. And do you know what that means? This dispensation's been called several things. It's been called the age of the Gentiles. Uh, it's been called the dispensation of the church. It's been called the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, which is all proper. It's been called the dispensation of grace. Do you know that grace will end? The age of grace. See, people seem to get away with stuff for a long time right now. That's mercy. That's grace. But do you know grace will end? Now, when we say the dispensation of grace, this is what we mean. Theologically, this is what we mean. That God's overall mind, heart, and attitude, and the way He's dealing with mankind on the earth is bent towards mercy and grace and favor. And He's given us a lot of time to get right with Him and repent of our sin and receive the gospel and get, get turned around. I mean, he saved my life. I was telling my preacher friends about how the angel came into my car. I was 15 and a half. Not my car. Another car. It was flipped four times. No seatbelt. I wasn't even right with God. Wow. I'm telling you, that's mercy, isn't it? Yes. That's grace. Amen. But do you know what? When the rapture happens, the bent, the attitude, the whole theme of the age being grace is over. And the next short time frame that happens on planet Earth will be marked not by, it's not that grace won't be available, mm -hmm. that it won't be absent, but the theme of the time frame will not be grace. It will be wrath. Yeah. It will be judgment. Yeah. It will be God's anger and judgment being poured out upon the unrepentant and the ungodly and the wicked. Now again, I'm not asking you to turn there because time's sake, we just don't have time. But, uh, you know, this is the, one of the errors that's been in the body of Christ for quite a while now, maybe 20, 30 years, is king, what's called kingdom now theology. 
and it's deceptive because it is, there's a great, wonderful truth that the kingdom of God is now. In a sense, it is true. The kingdom of God is now in the sense that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that the kingdom of God is within us who are born again. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen? But what kingdom now preaches, they don't preach that there's a future day of judgment and destruction coming. What they say, all that remains is for us to use our authority in the kingdom, our place in the kingdom, climb on top of the six mountains, the seven mountains of society, and take everything over. And then what we'll do is we'll hand it off to Jesus when we get that done. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. We're not going to get so powerful on the earth before the Lord comes that we fix all the politics and all the... Jesus, the Bible teaches it's exactly worse. It's not progressive, it's going down. Society and the culture is going down. It's not, and we see that. It's not getting better. Now, we who are citizens of the kingdom can live apart from, amen, and live different. And that's the wonderful truth that the kingdom in us is now. But this whole lie about no, there's not a rapture, uh, not a big thousand-year millennial deal, we're in the kingdom now, and it's just our job to take our place in society, and we need to become, uh, you know, and I'm, hey, run for office if you want to run for office. We need godly people in strategic places. I'm for that, but don't have this unbiblical idea that if we'll just be a little more anointed and a little more authoritative that we can fix the ills of society. We are not. Jesus said one thing to do. He said, occupy till I come. He didn't say fix it all and then hand it to me. That's not what he said. He said, occupy till I come. He said, hold fast that no man steal your reward. What's coming next is what's called the day of the Lord. And that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? The day of the Lord. But if you study what the Bible says about the day of the Lord, it's not, there ain't no grace about it. Let me, let me just read you, and you can write these down study them. These are just a, I mean a, a, a sample of many, many passages that you could pull on the day of the Lord. But this will be enough to give you the theme. And you find out whether or not you want to be a part of it or not. Right. Amen? All right. Amos chapter 5, verse 18 and 20 through 20. You just follow along. Listen to what it says. Woe. Okay, when the Bible says woe, you don't want to be around. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. It is as if a man fled from a lion and a bear ate him or met him. And he went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. In other words, what's he saying? There ain't no safe place. You get away from the lion, the bear's going to get you. You get away from the bear, the serpent's going to get you. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, even very dark with no brightness in it? Obadiah chapter 1 verse 15 says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Well, are the nations doing righteously? Is God pleased overall with the nations of the earth and how they're living? We just had a Finnish lady. She's from Finland. Her and her pastor have just completed, and thank God they did, 
years-long court battle. I went to the equivalent of the Supreme Court of Finland. And what was the case over? That they could quote what the Bible said and agree with it. Yeah, spent time in the clink. Because they had the gall to say, we want to actually quote what the Word of God says and agree with it. Anyway, so God says, As you have done, nations, it shall be done to you. Your dealings will return upon your own head. Now get this one. This is Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 through 18. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. Hark, the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, unable to fight or to flee, will cry then bitterly. That day is a day of wrath a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the blast of the trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the high towers and battlements. And I, God says, will bring distress upon men so that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. Your money is not going to help you in the day of the Lord's indignation and wrath. But the whole earth shall be consumed in the fire of His jealous wrath. For a full, yes, a sudden end will God make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Amen. But see, now today we're living... Where grace is the theme. But it's going to end. And before it does, mm -mm -mm, you know, there's going to be many, many, many very pervasive, powerful influences, pressures, and forces that have already begun to work on you and me to get us to change and to modify what we believe. To alter the truth. And we must be ready for this. We must be watchful against this. We must have our hearts right and our minds defended. See what happens is, you know, the, the Satan is so patient and so persistent. And he's been working this perversion thing on society for many, many, many years. And it'll start just, you know, it'll, it'll just start just with a, what, a, a small deviation from the Word and the standard of the Word. And it doesn't matter to the devil if it takes him 40 years. He will just push that and push that and push that and push that. And it gets into the culture and the songs and the movies and the books we read and all of the inter entertainment facets and it gets into the school systems, it gets into culture. Amen. And what was abhorrent a few years ago becomes normal and you don't even recognize it. You, we, what Satan wants the church and the sinner to do is to be boiled alive in deception slowly, like the frog. You've heard the story, right? You take a frog and you throw it in a pot of boiling water, it'll jump out. But if you put a frog in lukewarm water and you just heat the thing up slow, Increase it incrementally, little bit by little bit. It'll, st it'll be there and you can eat him. You know, he'll just die. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
boiled alive. The slow and steady degrading and the departing from the standard of God's Word. And listen, in churches like ours, and we're not the only one, there's a lot. People that are going to hold to the world, can you feel it? We're going to become less and less tolerated. And the world around us is going to look, we're, we're, if you're not already, it's going to progressively become, you're going to have a hard time, Emma, finding where you fit in this world. Because as it continues to go this way, you're either going to have to change and go with it, or you're going to live like a, a square in a round hole. You're going to have to just live separate and distinct. And there are Satan is working on believers' minds. I've seen him work on ministers' minds. And it starts out, you know, I can think back 20-something years when this seeker-sensitive deal really got popular. And, and there was just became this pressure to, to pastors to dumb it down. Dress down, drop your title, lower the standards of commitment, let them bring in their jams, their Hawaiian shirts and their coffee, make it comfortable, shorten the service, don't put any demands on them. And my God, don't talk about money. Put a little box on the back wall. Don't ask them to serve in the nursery. Get you a smoke machine. Some skinny jeans. And, and, and give them a little something. Maybe play a Hollywood video as an illustration. Have a cool sermon title. You know? And, and again, I, uh, don't get me wrong what I'm about to say, okay? Because, uh, you know, praise God, just don't get me wrong, okay? <laughs> but, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on pastors to go get earrings and tattoos. And, and they didn't do it because they wanted one. They did it because they wanted to look relevant. They wanted to look a part. That's what's wrong. I said, that's what's wrong. And, and listen, if you don't recognize the enemy's attempts to work on you, leave here and watch. Recognize the enemy's attempts. You're just being innocent, watching along, and some commercial comes on, and two, two gay men or two gay ladies kissing each other. And if that, start, if, that, if that ceases to shock you, you've been worked on. If, you, if, you, if you're able to eventually watch that go and not go, Oh my God! What was that? Did that really happen? Was that really on television? If you stop reacting that way, there was a day not too long ago, everybody reacted like that. Amen. But see how the, this is the enemy's tactic. Work on you, work on you, work on you. Push, push the standard a little bit lower, a little bit further. And before long, if you're not holding fast to the teachings of Jesus... You have strayed way far from this. You won't recognize the standard. You'll look back at the standard and get offended at the standard. Deny the standard and say, well, that can't be right. I'm changing. This is the tactic we're facing. And the antidote is the truth. No compromise. 
We love everybody, but we are not going to compromise the Word of God. We're going to live the Word, believe the Word, obey the Word, celebrate the Word, preach the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, got to wind this down. Y'all all right? Amen. I didn't get near as far as I wanted to get. You know, one of the things that Jesus said would rise up would be uh, a lot of falseness. And uh, I'm just, again, you can make notes if you want to. But one of the things Jesus said was, he, we already dealt with false prophets, false Christs, amen? But do you know the Bible also talks about false apostles? False apostles, what's an apostle? An apostle is a special sent one, sent on a, like a missionary, sent on a, sent on a special assignment, they'll be false that. The New Testament talks about false teachers in the church. All of this is in the church. False prophets, false apostles, false teachers. If you can have a false apostle, a false prophet, a false teacher, you can have a false pastor. And there's a lot of false pastors. They're sweet. Maybe they think they are, but they ain't the real deal. They got a title. They got the label. And they might have gotten a degree. That don't make you that. You know, I can look and pull out a can of green beans, and it says green beans on the can. But that doesn't make it green beans. If I don't pop the can and see green beans, it ain't that. If it's cream corn in there, then it's cream corn, not green beans, honey. Pastor, the pastoral office and the pastoral gift is not this common thing. You can find it everywhere. It's rare. And it comes from Jesus. I'm happy to have it. I'm grateful for it. I'm not, I'm not trying to make myself anything, but there's so many false pastors out there. Maybe they're doing the best they can, but they are just not the green bean in the can. They are not equipped of Jesus to do that job. You know, if, uh, if a church is being headed up by a false pastor, then everyone in that precious congregation, guess what? They are not being pastored. They're missing that. That's sad. That's tragic to me. Amen? But here's another thing. You might write this reference down. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26 talks about false brethren. False Christians. I've been burned as a pastor by false brethren. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Coming into the church with an agenda. Thank God the Holy Ghost operates and we got wise sheep. And you don't get to stay disguised very long. The Holy Ghost will point you out and then we'll, we'll either pray you out or kick you out. Now if you're sincere, we want you to be here. I don't care what you've been going through. If you're sincere, we want you to be here. But if you've got an agenda, you might as well hit the door, honey. Because the anointing breaks the yoke. And there's an anointing on this. is not some powerless church. We've got some power at work here, and that anointing will break you off. False brethren. You need to pick your friends wisely. Just because someone's got a cross around their neck doesn't make them right fellowship for you. Let's finish up. Let's, give me five more minutes and we'll be done. Go to, go to 1 Timothy 4 with me. Oh, my, my, my. Y'all all right? You know, we don't have Sunday night. You can give me an extra five minutes here. 
There might come a time where we have a Sunday night. What are you going to do then? Going to come to Sunday night. I like it, Kyle. You get, the, you get a free coffee. Amen. That's right. We serve coffee here, but we keep it where coffee ought to be kept. You're welcome. 1 Timothy 4.12. Just going to run a couple of these references in Timothy to show you the day that we're living in that was talked about, what kind of day it is, and how important it is to hold to the truth. Verse 1. It says, uh, 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaks expressly. If I had time to delve into the Greek of that, he means clearly, strongly, without a doubt. The Spirit of God is not just speaking, but He's speaking, Hey, hear me, you got to know this. That in the latter times, some, not all, but some, what will they do? They will depart or fall away from the faith. Notice that definite article, the faith. What's that mean? They're going to fall away from the long-held, amen, sincere doctrines, fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. Beautiful, beautiful denominational church in downtown Nashville where I stayed this last week. Near in a, in a, I stayed at the hotel. And a big banner outside, of course, it's college campus right across the way. It says, we accept everybody. Whether you're gender identified or this or that, and they just named it all. Wow. Well, I don't have a sign like that, but everybody like that can come through the door, but you just can't stay that way. Yeah, <laughs> That's not what that banner means on that church. What that means, what they mean is what you know it means. It means we ain't gonna say nothing about it. We're gonna just accept it because God's a God of love. And thank God He is, but He's also a God of truth. Amen. And uh, you can see how this, this drifting away has seeped into so many of our mainstream denominations and Christian groups that started out with revival and a power of God, and, but they're just not that anymore. And we have to watch it that we might not be that anymore. So that some will depart from the faith. Now notice why they depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits. You know, angels and you are not the only ones that come to church. A seducing spirit. Notice this, doctrines or teachings of demons. You know, any teaching from a pulpit or any idea that comes to you that says you can live any way you want, still be in right standing with God, is a doctrine of a devil. Y'all, right? Amen. But notice it says that they, they gave heed to. Uh, they, they gave heed. In other words, the enemy began to work on it. I remember some, uh, like I said, the enemy just starting to work on pastors. You know, if you'll change, if you'll change, you'll reach more people. If you'll change, you'll affect more people with the gospel. Just don't say this in the church anymore. Don't say that anymore. And one word you don't need to use in this kind of church is the word repent. You don't say that word. People don't want to hear that. And then, they, then, then the enemy worked this idea on churches and church growth groups. Go into your community and survey the community. I was tempted by this. I'm coming to be a new pastor 20 years ago. 
this is real coming on, real popular, and this is what you do. You go survey, you go knock on doors with your clipboard and you survey. What would you like? Mm -hmm. What would make church fun for you? Right. What would you like to hear? How long of a service would you like to have? And none of it's catered to the Lord. Yeah, come on. The Word is not the focus. It's the people in the community are driving everything. Yeah. Now, we want to reach people. Right. But I want to really reach them down in their soul. I really, really, really don't want you to go to hell. I really, really, really want you to have the kind of faith that will repel sickness and disease and demons and know how to protect your mind and know how to have a sweet family and not get all perverted. I've got to tell you some things in order for you to do that, right? The God's Word translation of this in verse 2 says, The people will speak lies disguised as the truth. How are you going to know the difference if you don't? How are you going to know if what I'm telling to you today is, is right? You better read the Word for yourself. Can't I trust you, Pastor? I'm, I'm wanting to earn that. I do that every day. But don't be lazy. Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Almost done. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 1. We're going to read verse 1, verse 3, and verse 13. Bless you. Uh, let me see. I might have that wrong. Let me see. Yeah, let me see. Verse 13. Talking about... Yeah, it's chapter 3, not chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3. My, my apologies. Verse 1, then verse 3, then verse 13. This know also that in the last days perilous times will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Now this whole book, The Last Day Survival Guide by Rick Renner, is him 400 and something easier to read pages breaking down the Greek meaning of just these few verses here. So it's really good. But uh, anyway, without natural affection, that's talking about perversion. Anyway, skip down to verse uh, 5. It says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. No, I just wanted to point this out. In the last days... The church will have a form of godliness. Have you all ever started a conversation with a mannequin at the mall and then caught yourself? I will confess, I did. I, I asked a mannequin for help. I asked a mannequin if they worked here. I did. You weren't with me. Now the Holy Ghost is having me tell off on myself. But No, the back, it was their, back, their back was turned to me. And uh, they were dressed to the hilt. And I mean, they make them now. They, they're so... Some of y'all are old enough to remember the movie Mannequin. I remember the movie. One of the great movies. I really have a crush on that actress. But anyway, that's over now. But you know she didn't talk back to me? 
it's, she wasn't real. She's just a shell, just a form. And that's what Paul said in the last days. Many churches would become nothing but pretty forms of an outward appearance, but inwardly they have no power. They deny the power of the real gospel. They deny the power of a changed soul and a redeemed life and right living and righteousness and holiness and much less the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God and laying hands on the sick and talking in tongues and all that. I'm just telling you as you get ready to go, beware. Believer, beware. Amen? Just go to the next chapter. 2 Timothy 4, this is our last one. 2 Timothy 4. No, I didn't read verse 13 of chapter 3. Look at this in chapter, uh, verse 13 of the previous chapter. It says, but evil men, talking about these days, evil men and what? Imposters. King James says seducers, same thing. Imposters shall wax worse and worse. Rick Renner said the Greek word there, wax worse, means like an epidemic spreading disease. Yeah. You need to pray. If you're a visitor, you need to pray about where God wants you to go to church. Yes. Don't just be looking at paint colors and carpet samples and, and how the nursery is. I like our paint colors and all that, but that's not why I'm here. God's got a place, and God's got a man, a pastor. Amen? Amen. That He wants to bring into your life to help you and bless you, feed your life. You may know everything that's being taught, but you need to have it taught from a pastor's heart. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. What are they doing? Deceiving and being deceived. They might not even know it. They probably don't. They're up there thinking that they're telling you what's good. But they're not. And it goes in and talks about, in the remaining part of that chapter, about how important the Word of God is. Okay, last passage, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. Well, let's read verse 2, too, also. Preach the Word. I wrote in my Bible, Truth. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, re, re, uh, rebuke. Now, they wouldn't tell you this in the church growth seminar. No. They wouldn't tell you to reprove anybody. No. They would tell you, don't do that. Right. Don't rebuke kinda in somebody. You're not supposed to do that in the modern church. <laughs> I'm not going to let them talk that way to me. Who do they think they are? Won't let me wear my hat in church? No, I won't. Take it off. Have some respect about you. You wouldn't wear that. Well, in this culture, they might. I mean, with a president, I wouldn't. If I was invited to the president's office, you know, I don't expect an invitation, but I sure wouldn't wear my ball cap turned around or a ball cap at all. Have some respect. Preach the word. Reprove. Rebuke, exhort, that means encourage with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come. I'm going to say they're here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Some of you look like you're enduring me today. (laughs) But what I'm telling to you is sound. It'll help you and keep you blessed, keep you free. They will not endure sound doctrine, but what are they going to do? They will, after their own lusts, shall heap to themselves 
teachers having itching ears. The teachers don't have, the people have itching ears. And what do they do? They shall turn away their ears from the truth unto fables, which means man-made fiction. Now, I've got better things to do on a Sunday morning than come hear man-made fiction. i got grass to mow. i got ball games I could watch. I, I could go fishing. Why give half my Sunday to go hear a man-made fiction? Get deceived. If I'm going to come to church, you better give me the truth. Give it to me in love, but give me the truth. <laughs> Amen. And so Paul says to Timothy, what I'm saying to you, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of your ministry. Amen. Hold fast, believer. Make a dedicated new determination in your heart. I'm a disciple, not just a saved Christian. And I'm going to dedicate my life every day to follow Jesus' teaching, to abide in His Word, love the truth, hold the truth, live the truth so I can be free and so that others can see. Live it so that you can be free and so that others can see. Because we are in a day of grace and God wants the bound free themselves. And if we don't let our light shine, how are they going to see a difference? If everybody comes to church and it looks just like the world, how are they going to see a difference? Amen? Hallelujah. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.